0: I was talking to someone about the subject that we are on tonight, the subject of false teachers, and they said that we really do not believe they are a threat to us. Talking about this subject, we really do not believe they are a danger to us, maybe somewhere else, maybe in some other setting, but not to us. Well friends, I wanna start off tonight, and I wanna say this, be sure tonight, false teachers and false teachings are all around us. And so we say, well, it must be somewhere else. Listen, false teachers, false teachings are all around us. They are in our churches. They are in our churches. They're in our bookstores. I could go uh, to Mardell's right now and I could show you works from many popular uh, authors, many popular false teachers, dangerous false teachers. Uh, They are on Christian radio today. They literally are all around us and they are, as Peter said, maligning the way of truth. Now here's the problem. The problem is identifying them. The problem is knowing who is a false teacher and who is not. Now I was thinking it would be a good thing if they would wear a badge that would say false teacher uh, to to set them aside or wolf in sheep's clothing if we could make that badge. Uh, The problem is they do not. And so here's the deal. It is up to us to discern. It's up to us to identify and mark false teachers. Well, tonight in our study, Peter devotes an entire chapter to their description. He writes an entire chapter telling us the truth about false teachers. Believers, listen tonight. We would do well to listen to this. I'm just going to tell you up front, this isn't the most exciting sermon I've ever preached, but I want to tell you it is a needed needed subject for us to look at tonight. We would do well to listen tonight. Our message tonight is entitled The Truth About False Teachers. The Truth About False Teachers. Tonight we're in 2nd Peter chapter 2. Tonight we're going to start in verse 3 and go to the end of the chapter verse 22. 2nd Peter chapter 2 tonight verses 3 all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 22. The truth about false teachers. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word, beginning in verse three. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to the pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, "...and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled unprincipled men... For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will be in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed." Suffering wrong is the wages of doing wrong. They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime, their stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Boar. "...who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires." By sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is also enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Verse 23, it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come coming out. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for the opportunity together as your people. We're thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't overlook this opportunity, that we would have ears to hear your word, that, that your word, living and active, relevant in this day, would speak to us, would train us, would encourage us as the church. Lord, I pray for these that have come. I pray that you would bless them now in this study. I pray for those listening in another way, and in other means that you would bless them, grow them as well. And I pray the fruit of this night would be no small thing, but would be a church equipped and prepared to stand as you come again. Lord, I pray that you be glorified in it. I trust all this to my Savior, to Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, as you just heard, we have a lot of verses to look at tonight. Now, there is a lot to see in our verses tonight, uh, but tonight we're going to mainly focus on the traits of a false teacher. Now, we can break those verses down. There's a lot to see there. It would be a beneficial thing, but tonight for our study, we're going to mainly focus on the traits of a false teacher, things that we can know, things that we should know about false teachers. Again, these are the things to help us discern who we are listening to. Now, here's what I would call to you. Here's what I would tell you tonight. As we're attempting to to figure out who we are listening to, I would encourage you to do a couple things. First is this. I would encourage you to be careful, to be careful, to be aware that there are false teachers, to be aware that they're trying to lure you away. And so the first thing is this. Be careful. Be careful. The second thing I would encourage you to do in this effort is to be prayerful, to be prayerful. God loves the truth. God gives us the truth. He wants us to have the truth. And so as our part of that, we would, we would pray, God, show me the truth. God, show me where something's not lining up with your word. God, reveal to me the truth. Protect me as I study. So the second thing I would encourage you to do is to be prayerful. The third thing is this. I would encourage you to be discerning, to be thoughtful, to be discerning. Now, you might say, well, how, how would I be discerning? Here's what, here's what I would tell you. The way that you are discerning is to check everything against Scripture. And I want to tell you, that's, that's the plumb line. That's the best thing I can tell you is to check everything. doesn't matter if I'm speaking. It doesn't matter who is speaking. Check everything against the plumb line of God's Word. Be discerning. All right, tonight we're going to build a list of things that would identify a false teacher. We're going to move through the verses, and we're going to build a list. And so here we begin tonight with our list. First thing we see is this. A false prophet is motivated by greed. A false prophet is motivated by greed. In verse 3 it says, and in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. The word for exploit there, uh, sometimes we think it has a a hard negative connotation. It really doesn't. It is a business term. That word in the original language means to make a gain in business, to exploit and make a gain in business. And let me explain that. If I could buy a chewing gum for a dollar and I were to find out somewhere else that chewing gum is worth $2, then I would exploit that and I would take the dollar gum that I bought and sell it for a gain, selling it at $2. Well, that's what this word means, to, to make a gain in business. Well, here's what it says of them. They speak false words. It literally translates fabricated words, made-up words, to make a gain. And so here's the false teacher. They speak to us false words in order to make a gain. Their raw motivation is greed. You want to know what drives them? It is greed. Here's a pointer for you tonight. It's a free pointer. The pointer is this. You can tell much about a person By observing their attitude toward money. And you want a hot tip? There's a hot tip. You want to know what somebody's really like? You want to know what their heart's really like? You want to know what they're really like and the things you can't see? You observe their attitude toward money. If they are selfish or if they are generous, if they are devious, if they're greedy, if they're a good steward of money, if they're careful with it, You can tell a lot about a person by observing their attitude toward money. Well, here's what we see. A false prophet is motivated by greed. All right, second thing is this. Now, the second thing, and it's going to be the only one like this, it really isn't a sign as much as it is a truth. And so it's not really a sign that would point to a false teacher, but it is a truth about false teachers. The second thing is this. False teachers are known by God and they are awaiting God's judgment. False teachers are known by God and are awaiting God's judgment. This week I was watching the news. This week I saw uh, Kenneth Copeland in the news. He was in a political rally. Uh, Maybe you saw that. Now, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's the guy who bound and rebuked and puffed away uh, COVID the week that it came out. If you remember that, he had a big deal, and I think it was the second day that it hit the news, and he said, I rebuke you, I bind you, and you are no more in Jesus' name. He declared it was over on the second day. This guy, listen to me, he he lives in Fort Worth. He is worth $760 million dollars. In 2022, he is worth 760 million dollars. I'm gonna tell you. I hear that and I think, How does that happen? How does that happen? How does God allow that to happen? Does God not see that? Does God not hear what He's saying? How does that happen? Let me read the second half of verse three. Their judgment from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. Now, what that means is God knows them, God sees them, and their judgment is coming. Now, to illustrate that, God gives us three examples of his judgment from the past. Let me read verses 4 through 9 again. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and he did not spare the ancient world, But preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who live ungodly lives. Thereafter, verse 7, And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. He'll keep his promises. And to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. These believers could have gotten discouraged. They could wonder why these false prophets seem to benefit and God sends his word that he knows and he sees and he says his judgment is sure. Let me, let me tell you something. I would hate to meet the righteous judge, Jesus, and have traded on his name. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine meeting Jesus who purchased us? In his own blood, who held nothing back. Can you imagine meeting the righteous judge Jesus and and having to say, "I, I sold your name, I prostituted your own name? Here's the truth of Scripture be sure God knows, and God will judge. All right, next thing we see in our list is this false teachers are all about the temporal. False teachers are all about the temporal. Verse 10 says this, And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires. And especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires. Now what that means is they indulge. That means they feed the flesh and its corrupt desires. It is all their concern the ones that they are preaching to, it is their concern for themselves. It is their concern as well. It is all about right now. Be sure of this, listen. If the goal is a blessing right now, if the goal is your best life now, if the goal is no trouble ever right now, if the goal is wealth right now, If the goal is your reputation right now, that's not the message of truth. Now, I I think about this. Can you imagine Peter? And he's already had all sorts of hardship. He's already been beaten. He's already been put in jail. He, he suffered all sorts of hardship. He is about to be crucified. He says he knows that it is imminent, that it is coming. He's about to be crucified. He is writing to people that are suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but getting ready to suffer to a greater extent. Can you imagine if he'd have called this letter Every Day's Friday? Can you imagine that? And that's what the false teachers tell us today. Every day can be like Friday. False teachers are about the temporal. They're about the temporal. The next thing we see about false teachers, they despise authority. They despise authority. I want you to think about our faith for just a second. We submit to the truth of God's word. That word means we get under. We submit to the truth of God's word. We submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be saved, and that's by faith in Jesus. And if we're going to be saved, we're going to have to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We submit as Christians to the headship of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord. We're professing Him as Lord. We are following Him as Lord. And these false teachers, they cannot submit. Because they despise authority. Their whole being rails against submitting to anyone but self. They don't like the word of God, so they distort the word of God. They don't want to submit to the word of God, so they change the word of God. They don't like the headship of Christ, so they reinvent Christ so that he serves us instead of the other way around. A false teacher, verse 10 says, despises authority. You want to know how how to recognize them? They despise authority. The next one is this. A false teacher is bold. A false teacher is bold. Verse 10 uses the word daring. They are daring. They are bold. Now listen, be sure to slander the truth of God, to disparage the name of God, and to lie to the people of God, you have to be bold. And I, You have to be bold. You, to outright lie to the people of God, disparage the name of God, they are, bear, they are bold, they are daring, they have no fear. The list goes on and it says this. A false prophet, a false teacher, they're arrogant. They're arrogant. Now I thought about this. And I I started thinking and I started writing things down and I thought and I thought, and I cannot name a humble false teacher. And I thought about the folks I would put in that list and I thought, well, what about them? Well, what about them? Well, what about them? I cannot name a humble false teacher. Listen, those two things, humility and being a false teacher, they cannot, will not coincide. A false teacher, they are self-focused, they are self-serving, and so they have to be self-promoting. Did you hear that? They're self-focused. It's all about them. So they're self-serving. So therefore, they have to be self-promoting. They are building their kingdom. So they have to self-promote. They are arrogant. They are puffed up. They have to self-promote. There was a lot of stuff in the news this week. This week there was another false teacher. I'm not going to say his name. He was at his huge church, about 15 to 18,000 on Sunday morning. And there in his huge church, there is a wall, there is a backdrop, and you can get your picture made with the pastor. So you go to this mega church, there's this guy, And if you would like to get your picture made with this pastor, there is a backdrop. And the backdrop is this. It is his name over and over and over again. T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes, T.D. Jakes. I don't have anything to lose. (laughs) Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. Friends, you watch whose name's being lifted up. And I don't care if you're in a 20,000-person church or if you're in a 20-person church, you watch whose name is being lifted up. And if it's any other name, listen, if it's Calvary Baptist Church, if it's the denomination Baptist, if it's the pastor's name, if there is any other name than the name of Jesus that's being lifted up, you run from that church. You run from that place. Next thing we see is this. False teachers do not respect, here's a weird one, the supernatural. They do not respect the supernatural. Now, they may appear to, uh, they may try to say they traffic in it, uh, they may claim to be experts in it, however, they do not respect the supernatural. That is all a show. Let me read the end of verse 10 and then verse 11. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. Now, I want to explain this to you. The word revile here means to slander or to blaspheme, to lie. And so see here, this is what it's saying in the two verses, they do not respect, a better word, they do not fear the demonic. They do not fear the demonic. Now, I've seen services, maybe you have as well, where they try to, to get some person, and they try to get the demon's name. And they, they, if you can get the demon's name, then you can get dominion over that deacon, demon. Uh, you, they have a book that tells you all about this. The verse says here, even God's angels... Don't cast judgment on them. You know whose work that is? That's God's work. They do not fear the supernatural. They're not scared of the supernatural. They do not respect the supernatural. Now, let me tell you the number one way that shows. How does that show? The main way is this. They do not fear God while lying about God. They do not fear God. They ought to be terrified of God as they slander God's word. They ought to be terrified as they build an empire of $760 million profiting on the words of God. They have no fear of the supernatural. I was was thinking about this. Bethel music, Jesus culture, The Bethel Church, California, Bill Johnson, all of those are part of a false teaching empire. Those folks, some of their their singers, some of their main folks, they actually go to graves and they lay on the grave to soak up the anointing of the dead person that's in the grave. That, you can go. That's a true story. That's what they say. You can go watch that. They have videos of that. Half, I'm going to say half the music on Christian radio comes out of that empire. They lay on the graves of dead people. The video I saw, Charles Spurgeon, they lay on his grave to soak up his anointing. There's a hillbilly saying that says this. If you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Let me tell you something. If you mess with the demonic, and if you mess with the satanic, and you pray to the dead, and you operate, I don't care what your words to your songs are, if you operate in the mystical, basically all of that is witchcraft. Let me tell you this. You will get trouble. You will get trouble. Next thing we see tonight is this. False prophets speak knowing nothing. False prophets speak knowing nothing. Verse 12 says, reviling where they have no knowledge. Now, again, that word means lying, blaspheming, slandering. So they are lying where they have no knowledge. Now, what that means is when they do not know what they're talking about, they don't know what God has said, they don't know what the Word of God says, instead of being silent about it, instead of praying about it, instead of studying They speak like they know something. And you listen to some of these folks and they say the biggest nonsense, the most crazy stuff you've ever heard, to them the truth does not matter. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what God's word has said. And so they lie and they make it up. False teachers speak when they do not know anything. Next thing we see on our list is this. It's a big list. False teachers are shameless. False teachers are shameless. Verse 13 says, they count it as pleasure to revel in the daytime. They count it as pleasure to revel in the daytime. Now, what that means is they do not hide their sin. They're not ashamed of their sin. So they just do it in the open. They just do it out in the daylight. There's no conviction for them over sin. Sin is not an issue for them. They're not worried about sin. There's no embarrassment for them. And so false teachers are shameless. Next one is this. Boy, I hate this one. False teachers make the truth look bad. False teachers—is it a big deal? They're close enough. Well, they seem like good people. False teachers make the truth look bad. They make Christianity look bad. They make Christians look bad. They make preachers of the truth look silly. Verse 13 says this, they are stains, they are marred spots, they are blemishes. People see them, that's the the crazy thing. People see them and they hear them and it bears an impact on those folks. It, It reflects poorly on the truth. And you know what? The truth suffers for it. False teachers make the truth look bad. Next thing is this, false teachers Celebrate non-truth. False teachers celebrate non-truth. Verse 13 says reveling in their deceptions. Reveling in their deceptions. It means this, they take pride in their lies. They're not embarrassed of their lies. They're not ashamed of their lies. You can catch them in their lies. They don't worry about that. They're actually celebrating. That's what the word means, celebrating their lies. Now, here's what that looks like. They craft the lie. Then they defend and support the lie. Then they promote the lie. And then they celebrate the lie. They're proud of their deception. Next thing we see is this. False teachers run to sin, pulling others with them. This is an interesting thing about them. They run to sin, but it's not enough for them to go to sin. They want folks to come with them. Verse 14 says, having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. Having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. Those that are not grounded in the truth, those that are not walking in obedience, those that are not on a sure foundation, these folks pull them into sin as well. Next thing we see is this. False teachers are not of Christ. They are not of Christ. The end of the verse says, accursed children. Accursed children. Accursed means still under the penalty, the curse of sin. Now, here's, here's a question sometimes I hear folks talk about. We see these false prophets. I can give you a list of them. And we wonder, are they saved could they be saved? Or, or, or aren't they really just good people? W- would you say they're, they're, they seem all right? Are they, maybe they're just off base. Maybe they just have gotten off of track. Here's the truth. That is a deception. Here's the truth. These people are haters of the truth. They are haters of goodness. They are haters of God because they're willing to slander his name and slander his word. And so here's the truth. They are not of Christ. They are not of Christ. Last night we saw this. They are tools of Satan. That's a hard word, but we got to call them what they are. They are instruments of Satan. Next one is this. We're moving along. Next one is this. False prophets know the right way, but they choose not to follow it. This is interesting as well. They know the right way, but they choose not to follow it. Now, here's what that means. They are not ignorant of the truth. Well, maybe they just got off track. Maybe they are misled. They are not ignorant of the truth. They are not unaware of the truth. Verse 15 says, they have forsaken the right way. That means they've abandoned the right way. They've turned from the right way. It says, and have gone astray. Listen to those words. They have left the right way and they have traveled in the wrong way. They've gone the wrong way and they did it knowingly. They did it deliberately. They're not misled. They're disobedient. False prophets know the right way and they choose not to follow it. Next thing we see is this. False prophets make promises they cannot keep. False prophets make promises they do not keep. Now, I want you to notice it's a very interesting picture here in verse 17. It says that these false prophets are springs without water and clouds mist without rain. Now, I want you to think about that picture. It's really a pretty perfect picture. If you go to the spring and you lead your animals to the spring and you've always gone to the spring and there's water at the spring... And you go to the spring, and and it's promising because you know what ought to be there. But when you get there, there's nothing there. It's dry, there's no water. That's the false prophet. The other picture is this it's a hot summer day. It it hadn't rained in a month. It's a hot summer day, and and, and a cloud blows up. And it's this big old cloud, it blows up, and the temperature drops. You ever been there? And oh, it's going to be a cotton shower. And the temperature drops, and there's the cloud and there's no rain. That's what a false prophet is. It looks like it's going to be something. It promises something, but there's nothing there. They never deliver promise after promise after promise after promise. As silly as it is, COVID wasn't bound that second day. It's a spring with no water. Next thing is this. It's tied very closely to it. False prophets... Speak empty words. Speak empty words. Verse 18 says this, they speak out arrogant words of vanity. They entice fleshly desires. Now I want you to see what's happening here. It's it's a very crafty thing. It's a very smart thing. They speak words of vanity, which means this, they come alongside you and they appeal to your pride. They, they make compliments about you. They, they brag on you. They build you up, but the words are empty. It's not true words. They pull you in, appealing to your flesh. Next one is this. False prophets are slaves to sin. They're slaves to sin. Verse 19 says, they promise others freedom while they themselves are slaves of Corruption, they promise others freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. They're promising freedom, that's their message and yet you watch them. They themselves are are slaves to lust, slaves to corruption, slaves to jealousy, slaves to pride, to evilness. Last one is this. We've been moving fast. Here's the last one, this is a big one. False prophets have rejected the truth and have rejected Jesus. This is where we're going to end tonight. This is where Peter ends in this section. False prophets have rejected the truth and thus have rejected Jesus. Are they neutral? Are they okay? They seem pretty nice. Maybe they're just wrong. Maybe it's just something to agree to disagree. Maybe it's okay. Here's the truth. They have rejected the truth, and so they have rejected Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. You're going to have to listen and pay attention. It's kind of complicated. Let's work through these verses, starting in verse 20. Starting in verse 20, it says this. For if... After they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Let me read that again, very loaded verse. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Verse 21. For it would be better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Let me read that again. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Verse 23. It has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Now, I want you to stay with me. I'm going to try and explain this. Stay with me right here. There are some folks that say and some folks that teach that these verses, these three verses, tell us that you can be saved and that you can again be unsaved. They would say that you can follow Christ and that you can decide to not Follow Christ. And they would point to these verses, that's what they do, and they would teach that from these verses. They use these verses. So let me just square something up right here before we look at them. Be very sure tonight and understand this. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved in the power of God. Wasn't anything you did, it was in the power of God. Therefore, you are kept saved. Also in the power of God. You didn't do anything to get saved. You're not going to do anything to stay saved. If you've trusted Jesus, you're saved in the power of God. You're kept saved also in the power of God. In the same way, if you are saved, you are born again. You have been made new. You've passed, the Bible says, from death unto life. Understand, if you are saved, the Bible says, Ephesians 1.13, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is an irrevocable seal. God doesn't put his seal and take his seal off and put his seal. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You're kept in the Father's grace and the Father's power. The Bible says you have eternal life. John 3.16, John 3.17, John 3.36, you have eternal life. Have is settled. Have means you have it. Eternal means without end. So you have life that does not end. Listen to me, it is not talking about that. So what is it talking about? These are people that have been lifted out of the world's corrupt lives. Do you know it's always best to live according to God's word? It's best. They have been lifted out of the world's corrupt lies. How did that happen? It was in the knowledge of the truth of Jesus. That's what the verse says. In the knowledge of the truth of Jesus, they heard the gospel. They heard the truth. They know who Jesus is. Listen, they know the truth of who Jesus is. They know he's the Savior. They know the truth of who Jesus is. And knowing they have turned and gone back. And that's what these verses are talking about. Like a dog goes back to its vomit. Like a pig goes back to its sty, Knowing the truth, they have turned and they've gone back. And it says, and the last state is worse for them. Now what that means is this, listen to this. In the first state, They didn't know the truth. They were lost. They didn't know the truth. But now they know the truth. And knowing the truth, they have rejected the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying here? They have heard the gospel. They they know the gospel. And having heard the gospel, they now reject, deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. And knowing the gospel, understanding the gospel, and rejecting it, is worse than not knowing it at all. Why is that? It's because their hearts have become hard. It's because their desires for personal gain have overtaken them. And knowing the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, they have said, myself is more important, my gain is more important, my agenda is more important, my sin is more attractive, and knowing the gospel, they have turned and gone back to the pigsty. Here's the point to all that. We're never going to get out of here. (laughs) Point to all that is this. Knowledge isn't faith. Knowledge isn't faith. Notice it says there, they were lifted out of the knowledge. It doesn't say the belief. It doesn't say the faith. Knowledge isn't trust. you know the Bible says the demons know? It's not knowing. It's faith. Here's the truth tonight. We're about to end this. We're saved in faith. We're saved in trusting Jesus. Yes, the truth matters. That's why we defend the truth. That's why we preach the truth. That's why Satan attacks the truth. But when we have the truth that I am a sinner and I've earned a punishment, when I have the truth that Jesus came in great love and paid my penalty, that it is finished in the cross of Calvary, when I have the truth that he is resurrected from the dead, the Savior, the risen Lamb, when I have the truth that in belief I am saved, I trust my Savior in belief, in faith. Not in knowledge, in faith. We are saved. Here's the call tonight. Listen, no false teachers are out there. Be aware false teachers are out there. Be prepared with the truth of God's word. But here's the thing tonight. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. All this, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Let's pray. During Father, we come. We're thankful for this truth, Lord. We're thankful it's, it's made clear to us that you, you've warned us, that we're aware of it. Lord, I pray now that you give us discernment. I pray that you give us wisdom. I pray that you give us hearts that want to know your word. I pray, Lord, that you give us stomachs that won't tolerate the faults. Repudiate it, turn from it, leave it. Lord, I, I pray for the truth to be known in this church. For the truth to be proclaimed in this pulpit for the teachers, for the classes, for the kids, for the youth, for the truth. to Be the foundation, the truth that points to our Savior, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that that in that, that there will be a great impact. I pray that in in that, folks could be saved in that, that there's peace and hope and joy. Lord, I I thank you for this hour again. I pray again that we, we consider it leaving here, that it becomes part of our practice as we move on from here. And I pray if there's some or one that doesn't know you tonight in this room and, and maybe some other place, I pray in the hearing of the truth of the gospel that tonight they could turn to you and trust you, that any hindrance would be removed, and in that they'd be saved. Lord, we, we come tonight and tell you we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And all of this, all of this defense of the truth, all this preparing to to understand the false teachers is so that we will not miss Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't miss our Savior, Jesus. If you never trusted him, I want to tell you, he loves you. He's made a way for you. He's made a remedy for you as a sinner, paid the way, paid the penalty in his own blood. If you'll trust him, he'll save you. Maybe you're here and you'd say, I've never trusted Christ. Listen, do it tonight. Settle it tonight. He'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I am a believer. You know what, I I need to know the truth, and I need to know that I'm ready to defend it. I I need to know it so I can see the faults. In a world where discernment's gone, Lord, help me to know the word, that I can be a discerning soul to point others to the truth. Maybe that's your response tonight as well. We're going to end with a hymn of invitation. We're going to stand and sing. If God has spoken to you, you step out. and You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.